You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Welcome back uh, to 401 South Prospect. It's been a couple weeks, right? Between uh, House Church and uh, Seaside Lagoon. Hopefully you guys had a good time there. Yep. That was a mild clap, so I'd say that was a moderately good time there. <laughs> De- definitely appreciate it. I don't know if Kendall's here. I know he shared you know, quite vulnerably, so thank you, Kendall, for that. If you're not here and you're on live stream, first off, hi to everybody on live stream, and hi to Kendall as well. Love you guys. So we do have a uh, lesson for you guys today. It's not a continuation of a Dinner with Jesus series. It's a recap. And so we're going to have some people share on stage, kind of excited. They know who they are. If they don't know who they are, then amen, pray for us. Uh, see how that goes. No. And we may have time for one, uh, you know, anonymous person or a special person to share that feels so prompted based off what they learned from this. You can't use it as a platform to say whatever. It has to be based on the Dinner with Jesus series. I have to qualify that. Sometimes people go rogue. It is what it is. I think I'm, so, I'm, I'm the person that will go wrong, let's just be honest. In any case, before we get into that, before I pray, uh, we do have a uh, video, so we'll play that real quick. Uh, Brian Santana, he's part of our campus ministry. It's a good news, um, but he is moving to the East Coast, and so he did want to share some kind words for you guys. Um, he just walked the door right now. Hi, Brian. And here's his video. <laughs> I'm not hating on him. I'm not making fun of you. I love you, brother. Let's play the video. something I've been praying about um, and waiting, waiting for, I would say, years, and, and God finally came through. Um, and I just want to take the time to, you know, thank South Bay. Um, thank you all. Thank Rhett. Thank, um, thank everybody um, for uh, just this family, this fellowship, and um, helping me grow as a, as a man of God. Um, and I love you all. And I'll see you guys soon, you know, when I come back in a few years. So, thank you. So, Brian, don't get too emotional, but we love you very much. If you don't know much about Brian's story, uh, Coach Winkler right there, Coach Ryan uh, was, you know, he would do Bible discussions for all the uh, players, the football players at El Camino College, and so developed a great rapport, I think, even prior to that. But uh, you're going to be missed, brother. Yeah. We, we love you very much and uh, kick some butt in Orono, Maine, at the University of Maine. <laughs> He's playing football, so sometimes they use those terms like that, right? It's a little more rugged, but amen, you know? Um, I did want to make a plug before we get into the lesson, before I pray. Uh, we do have a midweek, an all-South Bay midweek this Wednesday. And so there's going to be some ice cream involved in that, um, which I know everybody loves. But prior to that, we're going to be fed by the Word of God. Okay, it's going to be brief, but it'll be powerful. Um, the goal for these midweeks isn't just to have another Sunday service, because we don't want that. It's to have a time where we really kind of discuss family matters and help set a vision for our church. And so I, that's going to be the goal for that Wednesday. So looking forward to seeing you guys all there. That being said, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for opportunities like this to be able to, to worship your name to drink rich of the fellowship, 
to, to sing songs to you, God, to so much just uh, edifying mutual encouragement of our faith that occurs when we're together. Where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence. We so desperately need you on any and every occasion. We pray, God, that you know, this, we start this service and we continue for the rest, that it is a sweet-smelling aroma to your nostrils, something that's truly pleasing to you. We lift our voices to you, God. We lift our hearts to you. We pray for this time as we dig into your word. God, allow our hearts to be open, whether we drove to church upset this morning to our spouse or you know, struggling with something else, whatever the case may be, God. Help us to throw off everything that hinders, the sin that entangles. Allow us this morning to run the race with perseverance, be able to be attentive to what you have for our hearts. Love you, God. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I think I should, and it's good to mention, before I get to dinner, Jesus, next week we're going to start. So, you know, we did about seven weeks just focusing on Jesus, his interactions with people, primarily over some kind of meal, right? So after that, we're going to focus on the Holy Spirit. So we're going to spend uh, August and September doing a deep dive in the Holy Spirit. Thank you. <laughs> so if you don't know, Clay's been politicking for a sermon series on the Holy Spirit for quite some time. So it wasn't because of him, but I'm going to say it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. And uh, thank you for Brian, uh, uh, Craig, just you know, helping set up the framework for this and our source material. So looking forward to digging into it. It's going to be a lot of fun. That being said, we do have Dinner with Jesus, the recap. Now, I don't know what you remember about this series, but here it was the titles and here was the weeks. So we talked about different aspects that you would find when Jesus sat at the table with people, right? So week one was this idea of bad company. Now, I don't know about you. I think we, we did make the point that this could be a band from the 70s, right? Um, I think there's a movie, right, Bad Company. So there's, there's a couple references. But um, Jesus spent his time with people from all walks of life. Yeah. From many of those whom religious world can, would consider, you know, untouchable. I don't want to spend any amount of time with them. Jesus, on the contrary, engaged with them. The unexpected guests, uh, Steve preached that one. And one of the things that struck me uh, was kind of poignant, because you had this woman with the alabaster jar. So Jesus is with the Pharisees, with Simon. He's spending time with them. They treated him, to be frank, kind of rudely. And this woman comes in, and she's, you know, wiping his feet with her tears. And, and she has this perfume that laid out, kind of unbeknownst to her, preparing him for his burial, praying Jesus for his burial. And Jesus looks at her, and he sees who probably was a woman of some ill repute. You know, she wasn't a moral woman. And I remember Steve said something to the effect of that he didn't, Jesus didn't see a prostitute. He just saw a woman of God. He saw a child of God. He saw someone that God desperately loved, right? Mary Spencer did dinner dynamics, and so he did a couple of those. But it was, it was interesting to see about this kingdom, right? And that's kind of what we're talking about when we go into these different uh, you know, weeks. You really see a, just a countercultural kingdom that God, that Jesus is ushering in, that caters to the mumser, that caters, caters to someone who is a, a, a pariah, someone that is on the dregs of society, Someone whom most people of whatever status or, you know, let's just say, you know, financial prowess, they would not want to associate with individuals as such. But this is where Jesus spent his time. If you remember, Ken Chow came out uh, for Father's Day, and he shared many stories, one of which was about a, a true story. He had a friend who was given a giant gem 
was, seemed to be a throwaway item that was actually worth millions of dollars. And they're doing quite well after this. What's the point of that one? Because what is better? Sometimes when we choose things of this world, we have a precious treasure right in front of us yeah. from God, and we don't even realize it. And we can just pass it off to someone else, and that person sees the value. God is giving us this amazing treasure in his kingdom. Many parables teach about this. How we, People give up all that they have. Sell your field. Do this, that, and the other. Just forsake everything else because what you have here is truly a special gem. We had a revolutionary picnic at Summerfest. We talked about Jesus feeding the 5,000, right? He tells his disciples, essentially, you feed them, which is interesting because how many loaves and, and how many fish did they have? Five and two, right? And so that 5,000, if you include uh, family and, you know, women and children, that's probably more like 10,000. So it's like essentially most of crypto.com arena that you're trying to feed. And Jesus wants us to participate, to engage in this feast, that we would not just simply sit back and just enjoy everything that he has to offer, but rather that we would feed the people as well. We would participate in these miracles. Spencer talked about a proper cleaning. This one struck me because one of the lines I like was about how, and especially for me as I get older, I don't know about you, but it's easier to hide your sin. Think about this. Because, I, you know, the older I've gotten, I don't have necessarily a lot of the outward, obvious sins. Like, you're not going to see me on a Friday night, like, ooh, you know, with a drink in my hand, having a good old time. Like, it's, you know, the sins kind of, if you're not careful over time, they, they can hide and they go from these obvious outward expressions to attitudes of the heart. And we can't just simply move our sin around. We have to clean it off the table and completely and entirely. So I appreciate that, brother. Tino Sea came out with a breakfast of Jesus. Remember Tino? Anybody? Big guy? I think he made some points about that. He said things to the effect of feed my sheep and feed my lambs. Jesus had this interaction with Peter when Peter denied him three times. Three times. He said, I don't know this man. I don't know who he is. Jesus comes back. A lot of ways you could have handled that situation. Jesus used the pain that he felt in his heart for just completely disowning his rabbi and used it, propelled him to three separate things. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. The message that we need to take care of one another. We desperately need each other. Sometimes we like to minimalize that need. We like to be independent. We like to do our own thing. Shoot, I'm growing up. I'm an adult. But we need to be in a spiritual battle together. Some great stuff, you know, things I really appreciate. Different takeaways I kind of wrote down that all welcome at Jesus' table. Uh, this is a quote that Steve mentioned that I really liked, and this is something I want to resonate with us. And this is, you know, I think about, we talk about vision for our church and where, where is this ship headed? What do we want to do? Two is big for me. This is what Jesus is doing in eating with the marginalized. The marginalized cease to be marginalized when they're included around a meal table. This is a great group here. But if we're not careful, we can be extremely insulated and just have some wonderful times together. And there's an entire world that needs the love of God. An entire world that needs 
the good, do, the good deeds that in Ephesians 1, God has prepared in advance for us to do. To be the body of Christ in places that most people are afraid to go. This is what Jesus did. How do you envision a dinner with Jesus? We talked about that before. It'd be interesting, right? We had different kind of people share. Um, I don't know about you, but I got a feeling that Jesus would listen a lot. And he would just spend a lot of time just hearing us out. Seeing what you're going through. And then through that, bring it back to his kingdom. Bring it back to his father. Bring it back to his teachings. Some great points here. And I won't go through too much because I already kind of shared it. Now, I did write something that I felt like encapsulated a lot of what we discussed those previous seven weeks. And so I just want to read it real quick. Here it is. Jesus spent time eating with people of all walks of life. He ate with those who many religious people would turn away and immediately condemn. Jesus understood that the marginalized cease to be marginalized when they're included around a meal table. He chose the intimacy of an engaging discussion over the preparations and worries of the meal itself, refusing to be distracted by the basic concerns of this world. Jesus showed the priorities of his kingdom by whom he ate with and the countercultural teachings conveyed within. Many guests learned about God, his kingdom, and themselves over one dinner than all of their previous religious experiences combined. Jesus calls us to cleanse and purify our hearts for his sacred feast, prepared for all those who long to sit at his table. He calls us to feed his sheep and lambs with and in the same spirit that he spiritually fed so many. I don't know about you, but this is challenging. It's challenging to consider the life of whom we profess to follow. It is. Think about it. We're in a Western world that has one version of Christianity. I imagine if we lived somewhere else, how different it would be. So it, 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 it challenges me to my core because I see with whom Jesus spent his time. And it was people that were nothing like those that I would normally want to spend time with. Normally, how do we vacillate? We vacillate towards what? Interests, comfort, people of the same socioeconomic status, people of the same political beliefs, people of the same sports teams. Like if I like the Clippers, you like the Lakers, we're not going to be friends anymore. If you like the Angels and I like the Dodgers, man, put them up. And I like the Padres, so I mean, that's real fighting words for this room. Bring it. Then I'll get off the stage, Rhett. But think about it for a sec. We, we like to vacillate towards people that are like us. That's the truth. But the person that we profess to follow spent time with people that were nothing like him. Not once, not twice, not thrice, on a consistent basis. His ministry was devoted to the fringes of society on a regular basis. This is what he did. 
I, I find that extremely challenging. I do. The underlying kind of, you know, and this is kind of where our thought goes, because we've been in church for a long time, and so we have our own idea. We have our own culture, whether you realize it or not. It's, I talked to somebody this week. It's like, you know, does, does a fish really, like, understand that it's in water? Does, like, does a fish know what water is like? No, we're just, we're just kind of in it. It's what we've understood implicitly for 10, 20, 30 years. But perhaps Jesus is calling us to something maybe a little more challenging. Maybe he's calling us to a different idea of how we understand our Christian walk. Think about that. Perhaps we get a little more uncomfortable. Well, some other thing to add to my plate make me feel guilty about. No, this is something to pray about. Something to consider in our hearts. Because we don't want to put yokes on people and they just feel like, well, now you're just going to push me towards community service and other people. I'm going to be all tired and frustrated about it. No, it's like we have to imitate the heart of God, the heart of Jesus. So as we work through the issues that we have, there's times in my life where I want to be very comfortable. And I don't want to push myself. I don't want to extend myself. I want to be with exactly who I want to spend time with and leave it at that. But there's other times where I know the Holy Spirit calls me and says, Rhett, venture out. Go do things that you wouldn't normally do. Go hang out with with people that you normally wouldn't spend time. And watch my spirit work. I would argue that at times we don't feel energized and invigorated and excited about our walk with God is because we're, we're afraid to go on those fringes. We're afraid to go the places that the Holy Spirit's trying to take us. Because in that, you have true growth. But in that, you have genuine fear. In that, you have true sacrifice. So we have to decide in these moments, do I want to kind of maintain a vice-like grip of my life, in my schedule, in my thought process? Or do I want to open up the hand a bit and see what God does with my open palms? See how he works by my willingness to allow myself to be used in ways that maybe aren't something I'm used to. This is one of my biggest takeaways from the dinner with Jesus. Um, And I appreciate, God, I love our Savior's example. It is so challenging. But it's inspiring as well. And I don't say this to discourage or to shame, but we have to genuinely consider whom we profess to follow. And do, does our life, does our corporate worship, does it match up with what we see in scriptures? It's a real question to ask. At this time, I'm really excited. We have some people sharing. So um, it's uh, Pat Toomey is one of them. You can clap for him. Katrina McKinley is the second person. Where's Katrina at? And I guess we'll have Richard Kim share as well. <laughs> so Pat's going to come up and uh, kind of share what he got from the series. And then after everyone shares, uh, we'll close out with, I would say, arguably the most important meal of all time, and that's the Last Supper. Without further ado. Later, brother. Do we get the water? Yeah. <laughs> sensitive with the back today. I was gardening last week. I don't know what happened, but 
You ever had that? Well, when you're 62. I'm 62 years old. And I'm like doing gardening work and all of a sudden my back won't function anymore. It's not fair. Um, so I may have a different take on all this, so bear with me. Um, you know, they said, share your thoughts about dinner with Jesus. First thing I thought about, like, what do you do when someone's coming over for dinner? You know, how many people rush and clean the house and make sure everything's spotless? You know, I know in our house, if there's one dog hair on the wood floor, Holly's going to make Nate go and swiffer the whole floor all over again. That thing better be clean. You know, and I appreciate that so much about Holly. Our house is always presentable. Amazing. Have you ever been to somebody's house and they didn't clean up before you came over? How do you feel? Not great. You know, we went to the Berenson's. There's a family in uh, Seattle that amazed me. We, they said, hey, we want to have you over for lunch. It's Sarah's last year. She graduated. She's coming back home, and they wanted to have a goodbye lunch for Sarah. We got there, and the table was set. There were flower arrangements in the same color as Seattle Pacific. Um, but, you know, the thing is, like, how do you feel when you go somewhere when everything's ready? We were at the Casillas' house the other day. Same thing. Everything was ready. Like, hey, you know, what would you like to drink? Here's an appetizer. Like, they're not still cooking. They're not still doing anything. And, and the Berenson's the same thing. Everything was just ready to go. You feel special. You feel awesome. And that's how we ought to treat Jesus, right? I would hope so. You know, if, if he's, but, you know, he's coming for dinner every day. And we, we should have the same preparedness of, of a heart and a mind that's ready to receive Jesus. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of what comes to me as I'm thinking about dinner with Jesus. The other part was uh, the first lesson, Bad Company, where um, in Matthew 9, you know, Jesus went and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him when Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. You know, the tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have called, come to call the, I have not come to call righteous, but sinners. And, you know, um, what am I getting at is, uh, well, there's a thought here. First of all, I was that quote from Woody Allen, who I don't have a lot of respect for as a person, but um, you know, he's how how he came up with this. Eighty percent of work is just showing up, right? And I think ninety percent of meals and family is just showing up. How weird is it? How many of us ate dinner at the same table every night growing up? I know we did. And how many of us had their place at the table? Like, I still, like, at my mom's house, there's, like, this one seat was always my seat. One seat was my, like, we all had our seats around the table. Our, we don't do that as much, but, uh, which is kind of funny, but everybody had their seat. And my mom would um, break out Emily Post. How many of us heard about Emily Post? <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, when you think of etiquette and manners, maybe you think of snootiness, right? And just maybe holier than thou. But I thought I'd, I'd punch this into chat GBT. Uh, my new favorite thing, and I said, summarize the principles of Emily Post, and get this, good manners reflect respect and consideration for others. Be courteous, kind, and polite in all situations. Introduce people to one another if they don't know each other. 
Um, I'm going to skip a few. Avoid controversial topics like religion, politics, and personal finances in polite company. Express thanks and appreciation sincerely and often. Have proper table manners. Know how to politely handle utensils. We all know that. Open doors and offer assistance to the elderly, disabled, and others in need. Allow others to exit elevators first. Remove your hat indoors. Give up your seat on public transport. Respect privacy and don't ask intrusive questions. Don't stare at others. Keep confidences. Keep confidences. Present your best self. Dress neatly and appropriately for the occasion. In all things, display dignity, respect, consideration, honesty, and tact. Take the high road. You know, I just, I thought about that because I thought, you know, coming to church is like coming to dinner, you know, and, um, you know, we, we come together as a family, and, it, and it, back to the dinner setting, what does it feel like if one of your siblings didn't come to dinner? It's, it's weird, right? It's like, where's Mike? You know, it's not, it's not okay to not come to dinner, and I think I want to address that. I've, I've heard it just distresses me that some people have decided like they don't want to come to church anymore. They don't want to be here with the family. If you physically can't make it, I understand that. But it's just, it's like we belong together at the table. And, and we are a church. And we are a church of sinners. You know, I've heard some people like they don't feel listened to. They don't feel appreciated. Um, but you know what? Sinners do that to each other sometimes. <laughs> And I also want to say I'm just, I've been in the church for 43 years, um, and I've not missed many churches, and, and I mean not many services, and um, I, I must say, you know, there's something to be said for showing up, back to the Woody Allen thing. I don't come to church with the best attitude all the time. I don't like everybody all the time. I'm just being honest. Like, sometimes I just want to relax, but I come away built up better and I'm reminded like I needed you guys and yeah I I'm being honest like I just I'm not like oh I can't wait to get to church not all the time I I, I honestly 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 but I never come away from church going I regret coming never I'm like oh my gosh that person is so awesome I can't believe I I just haven't even thought about that person or you know like and, and, and then the comment about, you know, being, being around, uncomfortable around people. I think the more you spend time with people and the more you talk to them, you realize how much we have in, in common and how much, how much amazing things. I mean, I'm just looking around this room, I, and every one of you has an amazing story. You have an amazing story. How many of these people get up and share their baptism story, and you're just like, Oh my gosh, that person was... Kendall's, Kendall's sharing last week. I was like, I've never heard that before. That guy's amazing. And I do want to address that like, we are led by some incredible, incredible people. I hope I get extra time for this. Because I am... We are led by people who are being slandered in the media by, some, you know, by the Rolling Stone magazine and, and slandered unrighteously. And... Not gonna cry. They were here last Sunday when that article came out, and Matt Dickens is sitting in the front row. They did a funeral for Matt's wife, and we're still plugging away. I mean, Steve was right there, and and um, Jackie calls in after her niece has she's done a funeral for her niece, basically. 
I, I don't know how much more integrity you can have about that. And I'm very, when I hear people say, I don't, I don't know, I'm not comfortable here, I'm like, we are led by some incredible soldiers of Christ. And man, I'm just, I'm amazed you're here and you're in the front row and you're fired up. And that's a true disciple, you know, a, a true disciple, true people that love God. And I am better for coming here every week. And thank you for putting up with me sometimes if I've not been the friendliest at the beginning. But thank you so much for um, being here. No, seriously, I notice when people, you know, I think we all notice when people aren't here. And I, I'm rambling a little bit. But we have to show up. You've got to be at the table. And you've got to be here. You can't be thinking about us and praying for us. No, you've got to be here physically at the table. That I don't think the people really got a lot out of Jesus' lessons who were not at the table with Jesus. You have to be there listening. And so um, we're bad company, right? We're sinners. This is a hospital, not a museum. And um, let's, let's really commit to being here. If there's people you know that we need to reach out to to bring back, let's bring them back and love up on each other and really be better for Jesus. Thank you. So, hi everyone, I'm Katrina. Um, the Dinner with Jesus series, it really sparked in me just a remembrance of how important it is to have meals with each other and just how culturally important a meal was 2,000 years ago and it still is today. I think of how our, our kitchens, our dining rooms are the heart of the family. That's where we have our deep conversations, similar to Jesus talking to people about who they are, about just following him and the need to change our heart, you know, over a meal. And uh, one of the sermon series said about, it was the last one, with um, Tino Seya. Thank you. (laughs) And um, Jesus had that talk with Peter asking him, do you love me more than these? And encouraging him to feed his lamb, to take care of his sheep, and to feed my sheep. And I think about the relationships I've had here in my um, almost 23 years of being a disciple. And I think about the people who have invited me in, who have taken care of me, and vice versa. You know, the way we love one another. I'm only here today because of the faith of the women around me. You know, there are times when I don't feel like being godly. There are times that I want to give up hope and I don't believe in the power of God. But then the truth comes in. And once you know the truth, you cannot go back. I will not go back to who I used to be. You know? And I'm just grateful for people sharing their faith with me, giving me their faith, leaning on me. You know, some of the most memorable meals I had this year 
Um, Betty and DeVita went on a cruise with me to celebrate a birthday. <laughs> and Betty treated me to the self-chef's table on the cruise. I mean, everything was delicious. It was like art, art and food at the same time. And you know, I would have never, I had been on cruises, I would never paid for that for myself. But because of God's love for me, and what I was praying leading up to that birthday, and all the insecurity I was feeling about where I am in my life, turning a certain age, dreams not coming true, hope being deferred, I wanted to celebrate life. And I wanted to be grateful and enjoy life. You know, I don't want to save it for whenever. Whenever is never going to get here. You know, and God made us to live our life and to live it fully. You know, so I just want to encourage you guys, continue to love one another. Don't give up on each other. The people you think are strong may not be strong. So call them text them, have a meal with them. I mean, Shawnee has dinner with me every other Friday, and we go out and we have a good time, you know? And it's, it, it builds your heart, it encourages your soul, you know? So we need each other. I want to say thank you for being my family. Thank you for loving me and for having faith in me and believing in me and encouraging me, just like... Never give up on the people you love, okay? Bring them into dinner like Jesus did and love them for who they are. Amen. So, thank you. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I am super cold right now. So, bear with me. Um, thank you guys for having me share. Um, I, um, asked me to share what I, what I learned the most, and, um, I would say, um, I really liked what Tino said, it's funny because it was breakfast with Jesus, and that's, like, the one meal I skip every day. <laughs> no lie, like, I literally just, it's not like I want to, it's just because I sleep in, so, you know, I just sleep past breakfast. Um, but I was woken up, and um, I like how Jesus, um, it was uh, the scripture in John 21, um, he says while we were having breakfast, and then continue on when he was talking to Peter, like after, after the breakfast was done, you know, he's asking Peter, like, do you love me? You know, like, and he said three times he asked him if he loved him. Um, and uh, I know anytime Jesus says something three times in the Bible, I know for sure, like, He's probably really serious about it. So, um, and um, and then uh, when Tino brought up um, agape love, right? Um, and it's it's funny because for me, love was really hard to grasp. Um, I had so much hate in the very beginning. It took me probably about maybe two, three years of like to finally understand love, like to finally under, really understand it. Um, you know, I just didn't have it. Like I was walking around for three years giving people hugs for no reason. Like, you know, it was just like, cause everyone was doing, it was like, okay. And it got to a point, I, this is a true story. It got to a point where one day I 
you know, after I gave like, I don't know, whatever hug, two, three hugs, and I, I stopped, and I just left the church. I left. Like, I went out, because we lived in Lancaster, so you literally walk out the back door and it's the desert. So, um, so I just left, and I walked out um, to the desert, and I was just, I was mad. I was so mad. I was, um, I was just like, what? Like, why can't I love? Why can't it? I feel it. I want to feel it, you know? It made no sense to come to church and not feel loved or I felt loved but not be able to give it um and so like I'm walking in this desert and like out of nowhere like there's this chair and I never really shared this story before but there was this chair it was like a brand new chair like one of those ones where you go to Costco and it's like those plastic ones and they kind of already curved for you and then you have to buy like the cushion for it but and it was just there um and uh and so like I saw it, and it was weird for me, but I sat down in it, and that's a hit. Right The moment I sat down in that chair, it was crazy. It just hit, and I felt what I, I, I knew I felt it. Like, I knew what it felt like to, like, love God um, in that level. Um, and the reason why, in my mind, it was like, I felt bad at that moment because I didn't let Jesus sit in the chair in that desert. And so, um, there was, and then I had a really good time. I sat back down on the ground and just let Jesus sit in the chair. And I just, I, it was, yeah, it was a moment for sure. Um, but that's what, what it was for me. I don't know, like, you know, I don't know what it was for you, but, um, but uh, what hit also when he was saying about, you know, do you love me the third time? He was talking about that's, a, that's the agape love, right? That's the love, you know, um, he said, I uh, like what he said. He said, do you love me as Lord of your life. And that, that hit, because when, when it comes to Jesus, he, whatever, we have to duplicate everything that Jesus does in our life, including his love for, you know, including us to love him as if he's Lord of our life, for us to love each other as Lord of our life. Um, and so that, that really had me thinking, like, do I really love people as Jesus loved you know, loving people as Jesus would want us to love um, him being Lord of our life. And so, um, so yeah, and so, like, that question for me was, do I, you know, do I love people um, as if Jesus was Lord of my life? And so, I don't know, that was what I took away from it, so hopefully that helps you. Um, but, yeah, that's it. Thank you. One more round of applause for everybody sharing. That was awesome. It's nice to know we're part of a fellowship that has the Holy Spirit. And it has a lot to share with a lot of different people. So I'm encouraged by that. I just realized I left the clicker on the seat, so I'll be right back. There we go. Bless my heart sometimes. Um, my wife's like, oh, you got to stop forgetting things before you leave the house, Rhett. <laughs> uh, so I think it's only fitting to close out today uh, with, you know, quite possibly the most important meal ever known to man. And that's the Last Supper. It says in Luke 22, and pick up verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Now this is, you know... The Jews, they'd celebrate uh, God's deliverance you know, for their people from Egypt. And so they had this unleavened bread, this matzah bread that didn't have any yeast in it. 
it symbolizes the fact they didn't have time for the bread to rise, and so they left in a hurry. So they literally spend uh, about seven days or so without any yeast in their home and eating this bread and having a, having a, a, a Passover meal, which is very specific in its order. So they're getting ready for this stuff, right? It says in verse 8, Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? Valid question. They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Now, I don't know about you, but I wish I had more background information on this one, yes? They're like, Wait, go find this guy carrying a jar, and then he'll take you to the owner of the house, and the owner of the house will know exactly what, what I mean when you say this. <laughs> it's interesting. It says, he will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 11 talks about the Lord's Supper. And I mean, this is, I know we live in a Western society that doesn't really think of like the sacredness of things. But this is a truly sacred meal. 1 Corinthians 11 says that there was disciples of Jesus Christ who ate the, you know, the bread and, and had the wine, in their case, in an unworthy manner. And God was so serious about this special supper that they literally fell asleep because they ate the bread and the wine and drank the wine in an unworthy manner, meaning that they were sinning against the body and blood of Jesus. Why do I share that? To scare you all? No. It's because I think we have to truly, as the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 11, examine ourselves. We have to take inventory and consider this moment as we take a bread and juice, even though it's, you know, the little cup and the little thing you open up, how special this moment really is. If there was ever a meal, in this case a very tiny one, that mattered, it would be the one that symbolizes the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I've sinned a lot before I was a Christian and even after. Not a surprise any of you here. You're like, thank you, Jackie. I was expecting for Martini to say something, too. I appreciate it. Oh. For the live stream, my wife said she's being gracious today. I appreciate that, boo. There's one sin I don't want to commit. Seriously. This is the sin I don't want to commit. I don't want to commit a sin where I take the bread and juice and act like it's just a rote memory, no big deal, part of my daily life. That's the one sin I seriously do not want to commit. There's others too, but this is one that kind of scares me because scripture says that people's lives got cut short because of it. This is no joke. So I don't say this necessarily, you know, instill the fear of God in everybody, but the point is that we do have to truly examine as we take it this morning where we're at with God in a deep appreciation 
enjoy for what God has done for our lives. Let us pray for communion. Father God, we thank you that we're able to celebrate that you suffered and died, was buried and rose again so that we could have a new life. As we take the bread and the juice, God, allow us to truly reflect on the life that we live. Allow us to have sober judgment how we view ourselves before your throne. Help us to see ourselves in light of the cross, in light of the sacrifice that was made with great appreciation, with reverence, and with awe for what you have done for us. Allow it to motivate us, to inspire us, to challenge us, to encourage us, and all the things that your cross does so we may be closer to you for now, for all of eternity. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.